don't know what's wrong with uh, this service. <laughs> because I noticed the things you laughed at. You laughed at the postman slipping on the icy sidewalk. <laughs> the cat being frozen stiff. And then the Botox, which is probably one of the funniest parts of the movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I would, I would encourage you uh, to watch it. It's a, it's a good one. But uh, as you can see from the trailer a little bit, there's, there's this tension in uh, Luther and Nora's home because their daughter, uh, she has joined the Peace Corps and, uh, and she lets them know that she's not going to be there for Christmas. And so it is this process of where they begin to discover how much they've spent on Christmas. And so they, they say, hey, let's, let's just skip Christmas altogether. It's based on a John Grisham novel, if you want a little background on the movie. Uh, and, and so they began to lose sight of what Christmas is all about. They begin to, to, to lose the joy that is found during this Christmas season and we're going to talk a little bit about joy today because I don't just think it's something that the cranks deal with. I think it's something that all of us in the room deal with from time to time, some of us more frequently than others. But I, I want to read uh, just our theme verse that we're going to be diving into uh, the next three weeks. And, and it's this. It's found in Romans 15, verse 13. And it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. As you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the God of hope wants to fill you with joy today, tomorrow, Christmas, beyond Christmas 2021 into the rest of your life. But how is it that we lose joy so easily? I found myself even this morning losing my joy a little bit. Because we had some technical difficulties to nobody's fault, uh, but we just found some things that we turned on the lights this morning and they were just going for prayer. They're flashing and going crazy. And the question is, who touched it last? Well, pastor touched it last, but I, I made sure that it was good. But it all boiled down to one bad wire. But here's what I realized even beyond from that moment of frustration into the first service is if I allow the joy of the Lord in me to be diminished because of a stupid wire, and when I found that wire, let me just tell you, I threw it as hard as I could out of those seats and somebody else, I think Brother Larry made, it, made its way to the trash never to see that wire again. But if I put all of my, my, my joy in the circumstances of how today goes, I'm missing the opportunity to live in the fullness of joy that God has. Now on the other side of the coin, if I remember that, that Sundays are about an opportunity to people and for people to encounter Jesus... My joy is not diminished by a, a, a cord that decided not to work on a Sunday morning. My joy is found that eternity is at stake and we have an opportunity for people to step from death to life. So you know what? At the end of the day, we can unplug lights. At the end of the day, we can go acoustic if the sound system stops working. But we find this in our own life all the time that we begin to put our joy and it's rooted in things that really don't matter and when those things begin to change or disappear or are altered, we begin to lose our joy. 
See, I believe this, that if joy is, is rooted in how we are feeling, our joy is going to be gone. If it's rooted in you just having a good day, it's going to disappear. One author said, said this in describing and giving kind of a definition for joy today. He says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit. See, I read you that because joy is not something that is just a surface emotion. It is something in our Christian faith that should be deep within our soul, that shouldn't be affected by just how our day is going or whether we have a bad cord connected to a light at 7 a.m. this morning. Can I tell you that joy is not optional for you? Joy is essential. And some of you need to hear that even this morning, that joy is not optional, joy is essential. Because I believe some of us in the room, we like to think that joy is just like the, the, the cherry on top. But another author said this, I, I love this, joy is not a garnish on the dutiful entree of the Christian life. Joy is not the icing on our cake, but an essential ingredient in a complex batter. Now, I don't know what your life looks like, but my life looks like a complex batter. And I need a lot of joy worked in to the batter of my life that joy should not just be an afterthought or an added bonus. It should be essential to who I am as a Christ follower. But here's what we also can deduce from this. If joy is not optional and joy is essential, then that means joy is possible. For some of us, I think we have found ourselves in such a, a dark place that we've begun to believe the, believe the lie that joy is not even possible for our life. But today, I want to tell you that you can experience joy in a world of sin and suffering and brokenness. It's good news to hear that joy is possible. In the same way joy is possible, it's also possible for us to have our joy rooted in the wrong thing, which then allows us to lose our joy. And so we're going to talk about three things, I believe, that will try to steal our joy. And we're going to take a look at this first clip this morning. I don't even want to ask how many of you spend $6,100 on Christmas. Uh, but if you do, you may say, well, I want to skip Christmas too. Um, <laughs> Here we find Luther and Nora in this moment, in this moment where their joy begins to be stolen because they're beginning to shift, forgetting what Christmas is all about, and so they're just trying to escape the feelings. And that's why the first thing that can try and steal your joy is this, that change can try to steal your joy. Change in their life began to try to steal their joy. The change of their daughter not coming home for Christmas began to alter the way that they were seeing life, the way that they were going to carry out their decisions, all because change. Change can try and steal your joy. Because this Christmas, today, probably looks different than your year last year for all of us. For some of us, we're in a different job or maybe our workplace has been affected. Our family dynamic looks different. Relationships have been broken off or separated. They've been fractured. We have people that will celebrate Christmas and are going through this season without loved ones for the first time. Change 
can affect us in great ways and in different ways. But change will try to steal your joy. Now, I'm not telling you that, hey, you've got to continue to carry on life as usual when change happens. It's great to adjust. You need to adjust. We all need to adjust when change hits us. But we cannot let change rob our joy. We cannot let change determine whether we can live life to the fullest of which God intended, and that is living in the fullness of his joy. But some of us, we walk in today and we've lost our joy, or we don't know where we put it. Maybe it's disappeared. Maybe it's just dormant. Regardless, today we're going to talk about the, the things that try and steal our joy, and then how can we live a joyful life? See, when we deal with change in an unhealthy manner, we lose sight of what really matters and where our joy comes from. There's a few uh, verses in Matthew chapter 2 I want to share with you this morning, starting in verse 1. And this is part of the Christmas story, and it's Christmas time, so it just feels like a good place for us to dive into today. But in, in, in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Why is he so disturbed? Because Herod feels like change is coming. Herod has put his trust in his position, and now he is thinking in an earthly sense that somebody has come to threaten and to change my position. And so Herod misses out on the miracle and the joy of Christmas and the birth of Jesus. But even further than that, we're not going to camp on Herod because Herod was quite the evil man. He goes on to try and kill all the babies because he's just trying to keep things from changing. You probably could go that direction, that we do some pretty crazy things to fight change. But here's who I want to talk about just for a brief moment, is that he called all the religious leaders and the priests together. And he asked them a simple question. Where's the Messiah to be born? And get this church, they give him the right answer. Oh, he's to be born in Bethlehem. Because that's what the prophet says. Why? Because they had studied this their entire life. This is what they do. They're studying the prophecies. They're studying scripture. And if you understand anything about the Jewish faith, they are awaiting the Messiah. Now, Bethlehem is only a five-mile journey from where they are. Yet the fear of change and the unknown keeps them paralyzed in that moment keeps them from experiencing the true joy of Christmas. Now, now, I would love to think that we would have all made the right decision here, and we hear about this Messiah being born. We, you, you know the word's gotten out. 
Shepherds have gone. All of a sudden, there's rumblings. Could this be? Could this be? Yet the religious leaders and the priests never went to check. And they missed it out of fear of change out of being paralyzed in that moment. And this is what I see and what I read through this lens today is that we can know a lot about what's said in the Bible yet still miss the king. We can still go to church all the time and we can still miss out on our Savior just as quickly as the religious leaders and the priests did of that day. It's not just about coming to a church service and checking off the box. Because when it is, when change comes, we lose our joy. We lose sight of why we do what we do and what we're supposed to do. See, change or even the very fear of it can steal your joy. And in the very same way that change robbed them, or fear of change robbed them of the joy of Christmas, so can the busyness of tradition and ritual. So our second point this morning is traditions can try to steal your joy. Maybe they were just too busy doing what they always did and they, they, they just didn't have time in their schedule to go check and see if this was the Messiah. That's what happened to the cranks. They were just so busy with the, with the tradition and rituals of Christmas that they missed out that, that just because their daughter wasn't going to be there did not mean that they had to miss out on the joy of Christmas. In the same way, I think oftentimes this may be the biggest struggle that we have today because this is guilty in church circles, so has changed, but, but church circles, why? Because we get so so lost in the tradition and the ritual that we miss out on the reason. There's just another party. There's another tree to go up. There's lights to be hung outside. There's garland to be got. There's, there's Christmas lists we have to buy for and shop for. And, and oh, we've got to give our Christmas list and get Christmas lists. And all this dinner and that family and all of these events. And if we're not careful, the traditions of Christmas... The traditions of our life can try to steal our joy because we get so caught up just in the motions. Mark 7, 5 through 8, this is when Jesus is in his public ministry, but he's, it says, so the Pharisees and teachers of the law, they asked Jesus this question, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? And he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Jesus was feeling real good in that moment. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. See, it is so easy for us to find ourselves in this moment. The longer we're in church, the longer that we practice our Christian faith and we live... The longer we celebrate Christmas, whatever, we can look at this from a seasonal perspective and a life perspective because both are fitting. The longer we do it, the, the easier it is for us to get trapped in just the ritual and the tradition rather than the reason. 
Church, we celebrate Christmas because it is the Savior of the universe came in the form of a baby. Why? Because God wanted him to be on our level so that he could could relate to who we are in our life. But not just so that he could relate, so that he could be the ultimate sacrifice for all of us. For our sins, for our mistakes, for the life that we have lived and the freedom we can live in Jesus He didn't send his son so that we could put up Christmas trees and lights. He didn't send his son so that we can sing carols and and give out fruitcakes that nobody ever eats. Jesus came for more than that. He came for more than the gifts we get to give and receive each year. He came for more than just the family traditions that you and I hold. He came to be the ultimate sacrifice so that we don't have to spend eternity separated from him. But we get so caught in the tradition. I think we get caught in the tradition of just going to church on Sundays. That we begin to sing the same songs. And we don't sing the same songs, Pastor Zach. But, you know, we're singing similar songs every single week. And we just get in the routine. And we hear Pastor, he's going to open the Bible. He's going to talk about some stuff. We're going to pray at the end. And we're going to go on about our day. And we feel better about ourselves. He didn't didn't give his, his, his life so that you can just feel better about yourself. We can minimize the sacrifice. We can minimize the fact that he came to this earth for you and I. All because we get caught up in the rituals and the traditions of life. See, change in our life can try and steal our joy. Traditions in our life, rituals in our life can try to steal our joy. But also the expectations of others can try to steal our joy. And I want you to take a look at this next clip. Have you ever faced a moment like that where the expectations of others just comes mounting and, and it just crashes in on you? Yes. <laughs> there we go. 11 a.m. always will talk back. I love it. I think I asked that in the first service. Everybody just sat there. That's good. They're just waking up. But it can try and steal your joy. The expectations of, of others See, I, I, I think this, when tradition becomes obligation, especially during Christmas, we can lose the joy found in this season. And oftentimes that, that obligation comes because the expectations from others. Go here, do that, do this, show up at this party, hang this, climb up here. You know, in the movie, uh, Luther, that's why we got an inflatable Frosty, because he... he traditionally hung Frosty on the, they have like a neighborhood Frosty thing. If you live in a neighborhood that everybody puts Frosty, please see me in the lobby after service. I'd love to come peek. But they had like a hanging Frosty on the roof and and the, the whole free Frosty tension is because he said, we're skipping Christmas. I'm not even putting Frosty on my roof. But some of us get so caught up in the expectations of, well, my house has got to look as good as my neighbors or we've got to hang this. We spend more time with, with putting on Christmas than we do with the reflection of what Christmas is all about. Not making any eye contact. If we are feeling pressured and pressed because of the expectations of others, especially during the season, we have to remember that we live for the audience of one. It's not what everybody else thinks about our life. So what does he think about our life? Who has he created me to be? And am I fulfilling that call? 
Because if I'm fulfilling that call, everything else somehow just seems to fit into place. But when we lose sight and we begin to live for the expectations of others, we can watch as our joy will begin to slip away. And it isn't worth it. This Christmas, it's going to look different for all of us. Why? Because COVID decided to show up at some point in some year. I don't know, but it, it just became publicized this year. And Christmas looks different. I know Thanksgiving looked different for some of you. I know friends and family that we're not able to share in, in, in celebrating Thanksgiving because of health concerns. Christmas may look different for some of you. Christmas may look different because of loss or relationships or work situations. Whatever it may be, Christmas will look different for all of us. But that does not mean that we have to lose our joy in the changing of life. Traditions are great. You know, one of, one of my favorite traditions is when we finish candlelight service here on Christmas Eve at 4 p.m., make a little plug for that, make plans to be here. When we finish, we take our boys and we go to Waffle House for the best Christmas Eve dinner possible. And then we drive them over to the speedway over in Easley and we watch lights. Traditions are great. Uh, our boys are at that season of life, age six and almost age four, where they love the Christmas season. They, is a dad, my heart burst with joy because they fight over which rendition of, of, of Rudolph we're going to listen to on the way to school every morning. You know, Cohen is more of the classical type. Who is it? Is it Burl Ives? Who sang that? I don't know. Somebody. He sounds like a name on my, one of my Christmas playlists. And then the other is Jensen, and he's like, can we play Mickey Mouse, you know, Rudolph? That's just the, the world we live in. Traditions are not bad. I want them to love the feeling and the joy of Christmas. But I'll tell you, every night as we hang a new ornament on our Advent tree and we begin to walk our boys through why we celebrate Christmas and the journey of Jesus coming to us and why he had to come to us so that we don't have to be celebrated, all that other stuff, that becomes the icing on top. That becomes the bonus because our kids, the tradition and understanding of why Jesus came and why we celebrate Christmas, that's, what it, that's how we continue to keep our joy. And then the expectations of others. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids that you feel like they've got these expectations. Maybe it's your friends and coworkers, your neighbors, whoever it may be. Stop letting their expectations. Have a conversation. Talk to somebody and say, hey, that's just not... Not happening this year. Take Frosty off the roof. Some of you still have such a Christmas to-do list that you don't even feel like you begin to put your eyes towards what's happening and what we're celebrating because you've got more lights to hang, more trees to put up, more presents to wrap. All of the things and the expectations of others can begin to steal our joy. See, change will affect us, but Jesus never changes. Tradition can hold us back, but Jesus wants relationship with you and I, not just a religious obligation. And expectations from others can crush us, but Jesus brings freedom for our lives. Jesus wants us to experience his joy, not only this season, but in our life. And as we close, I want you to take a look at one more clip. Now, what you don't see in that clip is that the wife is battling cancer. It's come back and 
Luther has lost sight of what the joy of Christmas is all about until this moment. And as I was watching this movie over and over this week, I never just realized how much the gospel, just the image of the gospel right here in our response. It's a free gift. But what does it cost? It's a free gift. But I've got all this other stuff I got to get sorted out. It's a free gift. I just want to we'll change the names. When Jesus came to live as a baby, he came to change the destiny for yours and my life. Our names were not on the ticket because we bought them. Our names are on the ticket because he did everything he needed to so that you and I can experience the freedom of a relationship with him, so that we can receive the free gift of Jesus. Our main idea today is this, is that true joy is found in the free gift of Jesus. It's that simple. Church, I could have probably given 15 different things that were trying to steal your joy. You're like, well, pastor, you didn't hit mine. That's okay, because you know what? It all boils down to this, is that true joy is found in the free gift of Jesus. That's where our joy has got to be rooted. We can, we can follow Jesus, but we can still miss it. We can be so well-versed in the Bible, yet still miss the King. But if we want to experience true joy in our life this season, we have to receive that gift of Jesus. And here's the thing, it cost him everything and it cost us nothing. We just have to say, Jesus, I, I need you and I want you. That's the first step. And you may say, well, pastor, there's gotta be a catch. The catch is you follow Jesus and your life has changed. The catch is you follow Jesus and you go on the trip of a lifetime. I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise ship, but <laughs> there are bumps and, and the the boat starts rocking sometimes, and that's how our life feels some days. But there's something about a cruise if you've ever been on one. I mean, it's all you can eat. I mean, there's so much even to this image. I, you want ice cream at 2 o'clock in the morning? It's there for you. You want a hot tub in a pool without kids present? It's there. You need to drop your kids so that they can be watched by some stranger? It's, it's there for you. Merry Christmas. There's joy to be had. But we have to receive this free gift of Jesus. Luke 2, verses 8 through 11. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. Continuing verse 16, it says, So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Great joy for all people. 
free gift for every one of us. Whether you're tuning in online or you're in the building today, there is a free gift in Jesus, and it is a relationship with him. That's where we will find the true joy of our life. That's where our joy is safe and secure. When we, when we pray, we ask God, God, protect my joy. It's really, God, keep my, keep my joy rooted in you, that my circumstances might, may change, the rituals of my life may, may be overwhelming and become mundane, the expectations of others may press down on me, but in you, things are different. So I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. If you're here and you just say, Pastor, I need to begin a relationship with Jesus today. I need to experience this joy. Or, or Pastor, I, I, I need to re, reconnect my life. I need to rededicate my life so that my joy is rooted in the right place. Not just for this season, but let this season be a starting point for the rest of your life. If you'd say, Pastor... I want to, I, I, I need to pray that prayer today. Will you just slip your hand up? Nobody's looking, just me. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? This is why we do this, church. Because there is great joy in stepping from a dead life to a life with Jesus. Can we all repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. Help me to experience your joy. Help me to love you and love others. In Jesus' name.